Hey, Mama. I know getting meals on the table for your family can feel tough, especially finding weeknight-friendly meals that everyone in the family will love. There's a good chance it's why you're here, at least I hope so. Helping moms take the stress out of feeding their family is my biggest passion. It's why I share with you here, and it's why I created the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you've ever wished this podcast came with a weekly done-for-you dinner plan with a shopping list and meal prep tips, or maybe a recipe library with over 200 family-friendly recipes, cooking tips, how-tos, and hacks, well, it does, and it's all in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month for access to our 200-plus recipe vault with printable PDF recipes, or $5 a month for weekly done-for-you dinner plans, plus the recipe vault and bonus podcasts every month, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club is the dinnertime solution you're looking for. Head to patreon.com slash healthymamachris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. I'm Kristen Dobniak, holistic nutritionist and mama of two, and this is the Healthy Balance Mama podcast, a podcast about ditching the diet dogma, embracing intuitive eating, real food, and living healthy, happy, and whole. Please note the information and opinions on this podcast are intended for information and inspiration only and are not a substitute for professional medical advice or treatment. Please consult with your healthcare practitioner before making any changes. Now, on to the show. Hey there, friends. Welcome to episode two of the Healthy Mama Life podcast. Friends, this podcast has been on my heart for some time now. I've been a huge fan of listening to podcasts for years. Podcasts have inspired me, educated me, helped me grow my business, improve my marriage, make peace with food, and so much more. And when I put it out there to my community some time ago, if they wanted to hear from me in podcast form, the response was a resounding yes, but I had to sit with it for a while. It's easy for me to write, to sit behind a computer and pour words out onto the page, share my heart in my journal, or in the tiny caption box of Instagram, but speaking my story, sharing the truths I've learned with my own voice seemed raw, revealing. But friends, if there is anything I have learned over the past few years in my journey to finding true balance and developing my voice amongst the noise in the online healthy living world... It's that each and every voice matters. My story matters. My story is important, not because I'm important, but because God gave me my story for a reason, and I know I'm meant to share it. If my story, the wisdom I've gained, or the knowledge I share through this podcast, on my blog, my Instagram, my Facebook, wherever, if it helps even just one person, it was worth every bit of the vulnerability and courage it took to put it out there. So I think you can imagine, we are going to start the second episode of this podcast with my story. An abbreviated version, of course, because my story is long and winding, and I have no doubt I will share more and deeper parts of it as time goes on, but I want you to know where I've been, the journey I've taken to who I am today, and I hope that some part of my story resonates with you. I think it will. I had what I think you would consider a pretty typical American childhood. I grew up in a small beachside town in Rhode Island, the population tripling in the summertime as the tourists and summer folk rolled in. 
The falls were windy and the winters were cold, but the spring and summers were beautiful, albeit a little more trafficy. I lived with my parents in a little ranch with my sister, and we ate your traditional standard American diet. Pop-tarts and macaroni and cheese, I like to joke. But that wasn't really far off. My mom wasn't much of a cook, neither was her mom, so we ate a lot of potatoes out of a box, tuna casserole, which I still love, by the way, and a lot of TV dinners. Both my parents worked much of my childhood, so there wasn't time for extensive food prep, so we ate what was quick and what was at my mom's capacity for cooking. There weren't many restrictions put on the food we ate, but I do have strong memories of being young and not being allowed to leave the table until I finished my plate. I would yell and scream, and I don't actually remember how it ended, whether I ended up eating the food or I went to bed hungry. In any case, there was never an emphasis on listening to my body. It was eat what you were put in front of you or else. Now, I don't blame my parents for this. It was what they were taught. Um, Their parents came from a post-depressive era where food was more scarce and sacred, and there were starving kids in Africa, so you better eat what I've given you. So I was a fairly small child for about the first decade of my life. I'm still not a big person. I'm barely five feet tall. But I remember early on hearing the women in my family talk about diets, seeing my mom's diet books, watching her drink cans of Slim Fast or Carnation Instant Breakfast in lieu of eating. I heard family members using negative self-talk, commenting on the size of their thighs or the shape of their hips. I was taught from an early age that bodies outside of society's perceived norm were to be analyzed rather than just accepted. I had comments made on my body from an early age, even comments that were intended as positive, but now I know I had no place being directed at a young girl, or anyone for that matter. So around the time I hit puberty, early at the age of 11, which I now know was likely related to a hormonal condition I have, PCOS, um, I gained quite a bit of weight, which I didn't actually realize at first. I knew my pant size was increasing, but it wasn't until I was teased at school, called chubby, had comments made about my breasts that started feeling truly, that I started feeling truly insecure about the body that I lived in. This is the first time around this age that I recall using food for comfort. So I would come home from school and dig in the fridge for whatever would make me feel full when I felt so empty from being teased all day and just feeling bad about myself. I filled up on leftover pasta, my main poison, ice cream, crackers and cheese, anything to make me feel cozy and satisfied like I hadn't felt during the day at school. I ate and I ate and I ate. I didn't think anything of it then. It wasn't until much later I realized what my patterns were. Now, this is important. It is normal for girls to gain gain around 23 pounds in the first year of puberty. Of course, I didn't know that then, and I didn't weigh myself regularly, but I did know the numbers were rapidly increasing. So this wasn't outside the norm, but it was happening quickly. So a couple years later, I remember distinctly sitting in PE class the first day of my freshman year of high school with our fitness evaluations in our laps. I've never been a particularly athletic person, so running the mile or even doing the sit and reach was hard for me. And I remember getting our height and weight done. And we're sitting there in the bleachers, and I looked down at the girl in front of me, and she had the same height, but I was 30 pounds heavier. I felt naked. I felt 
exposed. It was like that dream where you, you know, you're naked in front of like your entire class or an auditorium full of people. That was the feeling that I felt when I looked down at her paper, just one step below me in the bleachers and realized that I was 30 pounds heavier. I remember my hands started shaking and that I tried to hide my paper in case anyone saw. I didn't do anything about it immediately. But the insecurity built from that moment on. I was going through a rebellious stage in my life, so I hid my insecurities behind plaid skirts and band t-shirts and fishnet tights and belts with spikes. Oh yeah, that was me. It was during this time that my training in karate that I had been a part of since like the second grade began to increase as I prepared to test for my black belt. The test was a grueling three-part test. It was a written test, a physical test, and a practical test that lasted pretty much the whole night. I trained day after day. I spent my weekends training, often not seeing the light of day, but through the windows of the dojo. Like I said, I'd never been very athletic, but I loved karate. It was during my karate test I first began to run, and I hated it at first. I hated the feeling of carrying my insecure heavy body around a track slower than the other members of my testing group, which, by the way, were adult men, (laughs) but I made it through. I think we had to run like a 12-minute mile, and I remember just squeaking past and passing that part of the test. It was a huge victory for me at the time. And it was during that training that I heard one simple comment made from one of the moms of the boys going through the testing group behind me. Have you lost weight? Um, I I don't know, maybe. I've been exercising a lot. Well, you look great. You look great. The woman beside her nodded, and I moved into the back of the studio to drop off my bags. It felt like the entire world was against me. I didn't fit in quite right anywhere. I wasn't athletic. I was smart, but I wasn't the top of the class. I had friends, but they weren't the most popular. They weren't the losers either, but I was simply nothing special. But I heard it. I looked great. I'm sure I'll go into this more in a later episode, but that was it. That was the moment I picked up my first health magazine. I started browsing the health food store. My intentions were pure. I figured the more weight I lost, the healthier I would be, or so I thought. I started to notice the way I felt when I improved my eating during training. I lost more weight, and more, and more. I bought my first calorie-tracking book because apps didn't exist at this point. I wrote my mom into my first diet, the Special K diet. Does anyone remember that? And then we did another, and another. I went to Weight Watchers. I started running on the treadmill, and rapidly, my weight loss and desire to improve my health turned into an obsession. I was running not for fitness, but as a means to an end, lose more weight. This continued for years, almost four years actually. Restrict, run. Restrict some more. I went to college for nutrition because what else does a woman obsessed with nutrition do? I remember hearing comments from the women on the track team about my early morning runs. I would wake up, have a tiny little snack, and go out at like 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning to run around the track, even in the freezing cold. I overheard them call me the stick. I had to tie an elastic band around the waistband of my size extra small running tights because they were simply too big as I ran in circles again and again and again. 
It continued through my overhearing one of my roommates tell their friend they thought I was dying. Through one of my best guy friends putting his whole hand around my frail bicep and telling me to eat a cheeseburger. Of course, I ignored it. It was also during this time I learned to cook. I had decided in an effort to become healthier, I would go vegetarian and then later vegan. Like I said, my mom wasn't much of a cook, um, so she supported my decision to become a vegetarian, but she told me I needed to fend for myself, so I did. I collected book after book and spent much of my at-home time on the weekend between class and work. Uh, The university I went to was only about 20 minutes from my hometown. Um, Cooking. And I started to fall in love with cooking. Different flavors that I never had growing up in, you know, an English and Irish household. Uh, My great-grandmother's from Syria, so we had a little bit of experience with Middle Eastern food, but we didn't have a ton of experience with different flavors. So I started exploring Indian food and Asian food of all sorts. And I really started enjoying it. It was a fierce dichotomy. Here I was in love with food, yet I still saw food as the enemy. Keep your friends close and your enemies closer, I guess. Spring of my freshman year, I had whittled away to next to nothing. And my best friend finally sat me down at Starbucks, black coffee, two Splenda, please, and told me enough was enough. If I wasn't going to get myself help, she would. I... Remember her telling me something about dragging me to my mom and dragging me to a nutritionist, something like that. But it was good for me. I reluctantly agreed. I saw a nutritionist and basically took her advice. I knew I needed to gain weight. I was in school for nutrition. Uh, So I I understood that I was too small, um, but I I think I thought that I was just too healthy. (laughs) Honestly, I didn't realize that I had an eating disorder. I remember going to the doctor with my mom and her calculating my BMI, which we know now isn't an accurate measure of weight. But when you're that small, she looked at it and she looked me in the eye and she said, if you continue on this path, you will never be able to have children. And I remembered rolling my eyes because I didn't want kids at that point. I didn't even know if I ever wanted to be married. I was still young and rebellious. And I'm like, no, I'm just going to be the healthiest nutritionist ever. I'm fine. So I saw the nutritionist. I started gaining back a little bit of weight slowly. But it wasn't until a summer abroad in Italy that truly allowed me to let loose. I knew I kind of made a promise to myself. I might already gained probably like 10 pounds at this point. I needed to gain back another 20 or so um, to be at a healthy place. And I remember making this promise to myself on the way to Italy that I would just let myself enjoy it. That I knew deep down that I had been restricting myself from enjoying life fully. And so I made this agreement with myself that I would let myself enjoy Italy and then whatever happened would happen and I would come back and... You know, probably, I probably figured I would go back to my old ways. But I did. I let myself experience life for the first time in a really long time. I felt alive. I finally allowed myself to experience food and life in a whole new way. I wasn't able to exercise in the way that I used to before. And now I consider that such a huge blessing. I remember the first couple of days I was there, like thinking to myself that I had to go for a run. 
So I put on my running gear and I set out for a run, but it was the south of Italy in the middle of July or might've been the end of June. It was really hot and we were in the mountains. We were at elevation. And remember, I grew up in Rhode Island at sea level, so I couldn't breathe. I felt like I was drowning while I was running. And I I think I made it 10 minutes and I got back home and I was so humbled. I was like, all right, I guess, I guess this is it. I guess I need to find another way to stay fit. So I took up walking. We went on these beautiful walks, my friends and I, through these olive groves, um, and we called it the fruit walk because we would go through these olive groves and all by these fig trees and these berry bushes, and we would like enjoy fruit along the way. We were probably stealing from people's houses <laughs> now that I look back, but it was such a beautiful walk. We'd walk um, through the woods, through the mountains, and we'd go for an hour, hour and a half during siesta. It was beautiful, and it was it was nourishing, and in so many ways. I remember talking to my friends about my plans for the future and my hopes and my dreams, um, many of which I'm sure have changed so much since then. Um, but I remember them just being a, a really beautiful time of living. So it was only a few weeks after I returned home. I lived there for about six weeks. Uh, that I met my now husband. And our relationship moved really quickly. Uh, He was a Canadian, and as per his visa, he had to leave the country after school. So he had intended to move here permanently. Turns out the U.S. government doesn't just hand out work visas to new grads looking for a new life. And I was devastated. He was my first real love. I hadn't dated much in high school, as you can imagine. Um, I felt like after all I had gone through, he was sort of the reward. So I moved in with my parents for the remainder of school, but I was pretty broken. I spent the summer living and working at the summer camp I grew up going to, which used to be a happy place for me, but I felt so lost. I didn't know what my future looked like. All I knew was that I wanted to be with Nick. And I once again, as I did when I was a preteen, turned to food for comfort. I wasn't anorexic anymore. Food felt free after that summer in Italy. Food felt like home. It served to fill a part of me that was empty once again. I remember eating to the point of feeling physically nauseated night after night. I would lay on my bunk writhing in pain. I'm sure I was a horrible counselor. I don't remember much of that summer other than the pain I felt that could only be filled with food, or so I thought. So I moved to Toronto about a year later and went to culinary school. That was kind of my ticket to going to Canada. I knew that I loved food. I developed this true love and passion for food when I was a vegetarian and when I lived in Italy and when I was recovering. Um, And I'm going to flash forward here a little bit because the five years in Canada were significant, but also somewhat innocuous compared to the before and after. So after graduating culinary school, I applied to intern and work at a holistic nutritionist kitchen studio. Um, It was there I began working as her kitchen manager and learning a ton about how food could heal. I was no longer binge eating because living in a 600 square foot city apartment in Toronto with my cute boyfriend made it hard to reveal that dirty part of my past. In fact, as a side note, he didn't even know I had an eating disorder until we were together for more than a year. But years of restriction and binging did lead to some other health problems. I developed some serious digestive problems. 
I was debilitated on multiple occasions when I was in school, after school. I was in and out of the walk-in clinic looking for relief. At this point, I was in the immigration process. Nick and I had just gotten married. Um, And because I wasn't a Canadian resident, I couldn't always see specialists. I could go to the walk-in clinic. um, But I remember traveling home, like taking the train back to Rhode Island to see my gastroenterologist um, to get endoscopies and colonoscopies and figure out why I was having these horrible symptoms. I was put on medication after medication that would sometimes numb the pain, um, but they didn't always work. So it was the nutritionist I worked for that recommended I see um, a holistic nutritionist. Um, and I started working with a nutritionist along with my gastroenterologist who at that point basically told me that I was inflamed. I was like, yeah, I got that. <laughs> but he told me that I was I was inflamed and he saw some inflammation, but he the medications weren't quite working. So I, you know, I was working with him. Um, I worked with my nutritionist and eventually was able to wean off all the medications I was on. And I started learning about traditional foods. Uh, and I went on a healing protocol that completely transformed my gut and my health. I didn't learn a lot about gut health during school, at least my university education, um, but it was fascinating to me. So I really started realizing that food could be used to heal. It wasn't just a tool to make me skinny or not. So not long after, I began studies to become a holistic nutritionist myself. I wanted to learn how to help others heal through food beyond the macros and the micros. So in the meantime, I was working as a natural food chef and teaching cooking classes at the nutrition school on the side. The hours were long and grueling. The commute was long. I lived in Toronto and I started losing a lot of the healthy habits I'd gained when I was first healing my body. We were eating takeout multiple times a week because spending eight to 10 hours a day cooking for other people and commuting another hour and a half or two left little time to prepare food for ourselves. The irony, right? I stopped exercising completely aside from running around various people's kitchens. I would often skip lunch to get in more prep time because more prep time equaled more money. Um, And I was making great money, but I was exhausted. Not to mention during the summers when my business slowed as it did and we needed the money. My husband was gone often. He's a pro racing sailor. I worked in restaurant kitchens, which in hindsight was the worst possible environment for somebody who wanted to live a healthy life, but was easily tempted towards food and substance for comfort. It wasn't a great time for me. I lived this dual life, preparing delicious, nourishing foods half of the year and the other part of the year drinking until early hours of the morning and completely destroying my body. Nick and I went through a really rough time during this time which didn't help. I wasn't healthy. I wasn't nourishing myself. I wasn't nourishing a relationship. Eventually, we decided we wanted to start a family. I gave up my partying ways and I devoted myself to taking care of myself for my baby. I got back to my holistic roots, real food. I started working on my health again because I had a goal. I wanted a baby. And believe it or not, we got pregnant a month before we decided that we were going to start trying. My pregnancy was rough, to say the least. I was so sure that it would just be this easy breezy pregnancy. I had no idea about my hormonal condition at the time, but I thought it was going to be easy because I was so healthy, right? 
complication after complication, after years of treating my body badly, depriving it of nutrients through restriction and extreme diets, abusing food through binging, not exercising. My lifestyle did not match the education I had. Okay, except maybe the culinary one. I can go through this more in a later episode if you're interested, my pregnancy journey, but it was not a happy first pregnancy. It was stressful, and I didn't enjoy the process like I hoped I would. I actually decided to study to become a certified prenatal health coach and a doula during this time, which is interesting. I did get my prenatal health coach certification, but um, I let the doula training go. It was too painful. I had a very complicated pregnancy, a really complicated delivery. It was incredibly traumatic. So after Sage was born, I felt like a weight was lifted off of me. I spent the first five months just enjoying being a new mom, not being pregnant anymore. We struggled through the first few months of nursing, um, but we finally felt like we hit our stride. And so I decided it was time to get back into shape after baby. You can see where this is going, right? So I joined an online fitness group and committed myself to three weeks of workouts and eating well. Can you see my quotations? By eating well, I mean restricting. But I convinced myself it was anything but. After all, I needed to lose weight to be healthier. I was still hanging on to 10 pounds or so of baby weight and it needed to go. It probably won't come as much of a surprise that one three-week commitment turned into a three-year obsession with my fitness. What started as a simple workout challenge turned into two-a-day workouts, tracking everything I ate, obsessing over my body. But it was all in the name of health. I wasn't restricting. See, I was eating. I was fine. I wasn't anorexic anymore. I wasn't binge eating. I was fine. (laughs) How clear hindsight is, right? My biggest regret is those that I led down the wrong path during those days. Leading myself was one thing, but we moved back to the U.S. during this time. I gave up my personal chef business to focus on health coaching. I became a personal trainer, a group fitness instructor, which I loved, and I started coaching people on losing weight to feel good, because that's what I had done. All of the years, I had been so sick, focusing on weight loss, All of those years I spent healing my body with real food and I still got sucked into the vortex of fitness and bodybuilding, energized by endorphins and pre-workout and visions of bikini competitions. Now, I loved teaching group fitness and I love working out to this day and I am not in any way saying workout is bad, but unless you're a legitimate professional athlete, Two-a-days are unnecessary. Fitness should make you feel good. You don't need to track every morsel to be fit and healthy. You don't need to obsess over getting in that workout or beat yourself up over skipping a day. But that's how I felt. And I spiraled deeper and deeper into what I now consider a relapse of my eating disorder. Now dressed in Nikes and sports bras and trying on sparkly bikinis. That's right. I competed in my first fitness competition, 12 weeks of the ultimate restriction. And being the overachiever I am, I did well. I placed second, only to the girl who had a little more sass than me. It's hard to have sass when you haven't eaten anything but tilapia and asparagus for two days. Not recommended. It was the time after my fitness competition was over 
that was the real turning point in my life. I thought it had been years prior, but after 10 years of abusing my body with yo-yo dieting, I was so ready for it to be over. So when my competition coach called me and told me I needed to do something called a reverse diet or that I would just let myself go, I was done. I politely told her I wouldn't need her services anymore, and I felt another weight lifted from me that was unlike any of the physical weight I had worked so hard to lose. It was a spiritual weight. It was a freedom from obsession, a door to a new life. It was during this last year of training for my fitness competition and releasing the final bits of my eating disorder that I became a Christian. I plan on sharing more about my faith journey later on, but it was a crux in my healing journey. I quite literally had to come to Jesus and lay down all of my pain, all of the years of hating myself to the point of destruction and let him begin the healing process from the inside out. My health completely crashed a month after my fitness competition. It shouldn't have been surprising, but it was still shocking. I was diagnosed with severe HBA axis dysfunction, thyroid imbalance, and PCOS. Again, I'll go into this more, I promise, but it was like years of symptoms were finally revealed to me, and I could finally truly begin to stop fighting against my body and actually recover, heal. So I went on yet another careful healing protocol, and a few months in when I was feeling restrictive and anxious, I started working with an intuitive eating counselor to transform my relationship with food once and for all. And I will save that story for another day. But friend, I can tell you I have never done more powerful work. I became pregnant again less than a year later with my sweet baby girl, Red, who is now 14 months as of this recording. My pregnancy was nothing like the previous one. No complications. My labor was intense but swift. And my recovery was easy compared to the last. And the best part? I didn't feel the need to do anything to get back to my pre-baby body because I knew my body was forever changed. My body that grew two beautiful humans that endured years of self-destruction and hate, that body is a survivor. That body is strong and that body deserves every bit of love and grace from God and myself. Now, what I do looks vastly different because who I am is vastly different. Now, I help women find their beautiful balance in food and their bodies, through working one-on-one, through nourishing meals and sharing them on my blog and social media. I share my story through my writing, and I speak to groups of women like you who are searching for a better way. Friend, I am so grateful for you, for tuning in, for listening to my story, and for being a part of this incredible community of women who desire to live healthy lives without restriction, who desire to raise healthy families and live their best lives. I cannot wait to share more with you. So if you liked this podcast, please hit the subscribe button so you'll see every episode. And if you loved it, please go ahead and give it a review for me. Every subscribe and every five-star review helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women that need to hear it. My hope is that you feel healthy, happy, and whole.
have a beautiful day, friend.